This is the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. Thank you for joining us. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. This nationwide month-long campaign aims to raise awareness about the importance of cybersecurity and ensure that all Americans have the resources they need to be safer and secure online. Louisiana declared a first-of-its-kind cyber emergency a few weeks ago. Several school districts across the state were part of a ransomware attack just days before students returned to the classroom. Luckily, IT experts from the state worked with our local and federal partners to limit the impact of this event and recover the computer systems before any so-called ransoms were paid, helping all the schools open on time. On this episode, we'll look back at that event with the information now available, plus we'll have other practical information on cybersecurity for you to use on a regular basis. Before we get started with our interviews, we like to start each episode with an emergency preparedness tip. Here is some information from Ready.gov to protect yourself against a cyber attack. Keep software and operating systems up to date. Use strong passwords and a two-factor authentication, two methods of verification. Watch for suspicious activity. When in doubt, don't click. Do not provide personal information. Use encrypted or secure internet communications. Create backup files. Protect your home and or business Wi-Fi network. If you are a victim of a cyber attack, file a report with the Office of the Inspector General. If you think someone is illegally using your social security number, OIG reviews cases of waste, fraud, and abuse. File a complaint with the FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center. They will review the complaint and refer it to the appropriate agency. File a report with local police so there is an official record of the incident. Report identity theft to the Federal Trade Commission. Contact additional agencies depending on what information was stolen. Examples include contacting the Social Security Administration if your Social Security number was compromised or the Department of Motor Vehicles if your driver's license or car registration has been stolen. Report online crime or fraud to your local United States Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force or the Internet Crime Complaint Center. For more information on all these tips, go to ready.gov backslash cybersecurity. Moving on to our first interview, Dustin Glover has served as the Chief Information Security Officer for Louisiana for nearly five years. His background includes assisting with the state's IT consolidation, partly based on his accomplishments as ISO for the Louisiana Workforce Commission. Dustin previously worked in healthcare and served in the Louisiana National Guard. Most recently, he helped lead the state's cyber emergency efforts as a number of schools were targeted by a ransomware attack. Dustin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. So it's been a few weeks since the cyber emergency here in Louisiana. Can you briefly recap what exactly happened with that event? Sure. At a high level, the last week of July, a K-12 school district reported into the information security team for the state that they had been impacted with ransomware and their entire school district was shut down. Upon further investigation, 
we became aware that two additional school districts were also impacted at that same level. And based on three school districts being hit, we contacted the governor's office of Homeland Security and uh, discussed that we needed to activate the emergency support function 17, which is solely for the purposes of responding to a cyber security incident and activating the entire support element, which is uh, a team of myself, Office of Technology Services, Information Security Team, the National Guard, and Louisiana State Police. Once that was activated and the governor declared a state of an emergency, we started working with the school districts to help them prevent any further damage from this ransomware hitting any other school districts. And despite our better efforts, the following week, two more school districts were impacted. And that was with only two weeks before school, we were diligently working with all the school districts to communicate. And we sort of changed our approach after that sixth day and took a much more aggressive action to assist the school districts. And that action led to us preventing seven other school districts from being impacted with the ransomware and with the help of the Louisiana National Guard and Louisiana State Police uh, in this coordinated ESF-17 effort, we were able to get schools started on time. And just to uh, help inform the the public, I know I didn't have a lot of knowledge on ransomware before this event happened. Could you kind of briefly describe what that is and, and, and I guess what the uh, bad elements are trying to accomplish when they when they push this type of attack? Sure, Mike. So ransomware is an a newer style of what is generally referred to as malware now or computer virus. But the goal of that malware is to very specifically lock you out of your own data. And they use encryption, which is the same mechanisms we use to protect data. They use it maliciously to lock people out of their data and charge them a ransom for a key to unlock it, which is typically in the form of a, a cryptocurrency. Uh, Bitcoin. That's that's pretty incredible to think that they that, that type of technology is out there for for this element to try and uh, use against us. And and you know for our state, uh, it was the first time that we've utilized this system. You know the support system uh, that you talked about. Uh, overall, how do you think that went? And and what are maybe some of the lessons you think we uh, we learned in the process? I think it went exceptionally well. Uh, again, Louisiana National Guard, Louisiana State Police. Uh, Division of Administration, Office of Technology Services, um, and supporting elements from LSU, uh, STC, and others, you know, collectively working together, I think it went exceptionally well. Uh, there's obviously some lessons learned, some things we could do better, but um, above all else, I think that utilizing 100 individuals holistically from all of those resources combined to respond to this effort, that is a lot of coordination and it went very well. Uh, and, it, and it happened very timely. I mean, the teams on site, doing restoration for the impacted school districts were second to none related to their execution and their, them working with the school districts to get them back up and operable in time uh, for school to start. Is it pretty common to see, um, uh, you know, this type of attack on, uh, you know, a specific target like school systems or, or you know, maybe healthcare? Is it common to see kind of a, a similar thread when you see these types of attacks happen? Well, generally, we haven't seen them this coordinated from a scope standpoint and it not this coordinated from a timing standpoint. When you start talking about we had five school districts impacted three weeks before school started and another seven that they were trying to accomplish as well in the, in the first month of school, 
that was very strategic and very well laid out. And we hadn't seen that collectively before. Historically, it's just been one-offs here and there, or maybe sort of a campaign that's sort of just going coast to coast, but never a coordinated effort like we saw with the school districts in Louisiana. Now, I guess, unfortunately, that's one of the things we're really going to have to look to address going forward, I guess. Yes, that's really another function of the ESF-17 strategy is, is to work with all the local entities and, and everyone across the state to have a mechanism to report if you're having a problem or if you think you have ransomware or if you think you've been hit by some sort of malicious cyber attack to report that so that we can track and better appreciate what risk the state has currently so that we can assist. Maybe it's education, maybe it's some uh, evidence collection, maybe it's some analysis, whatever the case is. It's very important that we have the whole picture so that way we can understand if the if the state needs to activate a higher level of response. And could you explain uh, the nature of the attack? I know there may be some elements that, that you really can't go into because of the investigative side of this event, but can you talk about uh, you know the way this was started and, and maybe some things people should look out for going forward? Sure. So with this particular incident, it was done by malicious uh, phishing emails. Evidence shows that most of them came in as uh, masquerading as invoices with attachments or links to malicious files or, or websites that would infect the computer if the computer was being run with a user account that had admin access to that computer. And then all it took was really one time for that to happen. And then once that admin user modified that computer and installed that malware unknowingly, then it started going side to side in, in, in these different environments. And so that was really what had started happening with the school districts. The, the teachers were starting to come in, the administrative staff were starting to come in, spin up the computers, get them every, you know, all the technology ready for for day one and started reading email, saw some emails, clicked on it, and then the the attack kind of went from there. I understand and seeing some of the, the recent events in other states, you know, ransoms were paid from time to time, but you guys were able to pretty much uh, take care of this event before any of those steps were necessary. Is that correct? That's correct. And in our scenario, no ransom was paid. And the five impacted school districts, we assisted them in full recovery prior to um, school starting. So they didn't have to come out of pocket and, and really recover unassisted because that would have been a large endeavor, uh, especially for a large school district like well, good deal. We appreciate your time. I, I know you have a busy schedule. There's a, a lot going on with this field, and it's great to know we have uh, teams like you guys out uh, helping prevent these types of events. Uh, just to let the public know as well, uh, there's a, been a lot of media attention, even on the national and international level, uh, about this event, and everyone is pretty much in agreement that uh, what was accomplished here in Louisiana was quite remarkable. So we appreciate you guys, uh, the work you do, and, and keeping us informed about this. I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you again, and holistically a team effort, and Louisiana benefits from a number of very skilled cybersecurity resources, and all of us working together, we really want to help any entity, local, government, commercial, if needed, entity that's impacted by a cyber incident, we want to be able to assist us in, inside the state of Louisiana so we can get them back up and running and then help them prevent any, any future impact. All right. Again, we were speaking with Dustin Glover, the Chief Information Security Officer for the state of Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mike.
We will now move on to the emergency resource segment for this episode. The Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, and Infrastructure Security Agency is providing a lot of great information on its Twitter account, CISAGov. Check out this account for information about staying safe online and protecting your information. Topics during the first few days of Cybersecurity Awareness Month include privacy settings, online profiles, cybersecurity career opportunities, and school cyber protection initiatives. Again, go to at CISAGov to take a look at this information. Moving on to our second interview, Devin King is a certified information system security professional with over 18 years of experience as a cybersecurity professional. Devin serves as the lead cyber intelligence analyst for the Louisiana State Police Cyber Crime Unit and works with the Louisiana State Analytical and Fusion Exchange. Devin also established the nation's first cyber unit embedded within a fusion center, co-founded the National Fusion Center Association Cyber Intelligence Network, and serves as primary lead for the state police on all cyber intrusions. Devin, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So, of course, we're talking about National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and one of the things we wanted to talk to you about was practical ways that people can protect themselves from cyber threat. If we could start, could you give us maybe two or three uh, areas that people should focus on when it comes to this issue? Absolutely. One of the, the, the primary things, one of the primary threats we're dealing with right now is from ransomware. And so one of the best ways that folks uh, can help protect themselves is to have good backups. Uh, backups that are not connected to the network, that are off-site, uh, they're not plugged into any computer, and uh, are safe from, from any kind of malware. Uh, these backups should occur at a minimum uh, of once a month for these offline ones. If you get them more frequently, that's great. Uh, but the worst thing uh, that you can actually do is depend upon your uh, high available backups that are constantly online and constantly getting your data backed up when a ransomware attack occurs. Uh, so for, from that perspective, that, that, that's number one, it's critical. Uh, the, the second piece uh, really deals with you maintaining a, a, an understanding of what your network actually looks like, uh, understanding how things are configured and how things flow. We often go out uh, on investigations and we realize that the companies we're dealing with, they don't really know what's supposed to come in and out of their network they don't really understand how their firewalls are set up, uh, and they don't really have any kind of understanding of what type of data is coming in and out. And those, those pieces are critical. To be able to identify what your network is supposed to look like is invaluable when you're trying to find stuff that's bad in your network. So as people are looking at these things, mainly dealing with the network, is this something that their IT professionals or maybe their vendors who help uh, work on these things, should they be able to kind of break that down for these individuals? Uh, yes, sir, absolutely. Uh, your your IT professional that, that's on-site should definitely have an understanding of that, should, should know what tools, what intrusion detection systems and prevention systems they should have in place. And if they're working with the vendor, uh, a contractor that, that might not be there uh, on a daily basis, they should be able to speak to that as well and should be able to lay out a plan for them and a course of action to allow them to identify those, those, uh, those network flows and give them different options on how to, uh, to, to identify bad behavior. They ought to be able to tell them what areas of the network they can place a device 
or what kind of software they can install on the local host to be able to do that kind of identification. And that kind of leads me to then another piece of this is log maintenance. Uh, we're, we're going into a lot of, of, of networks as well where there is no centralized logging in place. Folks have to understand that uh, after the fact, after, uh, I'm going to say the fire uh, occurs, uh, if they want to find out exactly what happened and exactly what was lost, we got to go look at, at the logs. That, that's where the, all the jewels uh, are to tell us exactly what, what occurred. And if they're not maintaining any logs and there's no centralized logging, it becomes real difficult for us to do our job as investigators in order to recreate what exactly happened. When you take a look at these type situations, do you think the public really has a grasp of how, uh, how much of a threat we are uh, under when it comes to cyber issues? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, Mike, I- I've been using the analogy for uh, the last few weeks, and I, I kind of like it, so I'm going to go with it again, is that we're still in the caveman phase here. Uh, IT, cyber, if you will, is fire. We've just discovered fire. We don't know how it works yet. We know we can burn a piece of chicken with it. We might burn our hands if we touch it, but we don't understand that if we're not careful with it, we can set the whole forest on fire. And we definitely haven't figured out how to turn that into a combustion engine and make something go really fast. Hmm. We're all struggling with this. And at every layer, uh, uh, from, from locals to very small uh, networks, People don't understand what they're playing with. They're focusing on just having something up and running. They have no clue about the securing of it, the, uh, the confidentiality piece of it, or the integrity of it. All they're really caring about is the availability, which is what is going to burn us every single time. Are you seeing that from individuals, too, as we see more and more uh, you know, uh, payment apps and, and just different things available for convenience? Uh, do you get that sense of feeling from the public as well that they really need to be careful with what they what they are utilizing and, and what they're protecting? Yes, sir. Everything from apps on their phone to their smart TVs. They're just plugging stuff up. If it works, it works. That's great. And they're not taking any ownership or responsibility of something bad happening to that. Uh, we're depending upon our, our credit cards to reimburse us. We're depending upon somebody else to notify us that we might have an identity theft issue. Uh, but we're really not taking uh, responsibility on our own to maintain a secure online presence. Wow, that's kind of a, a scary thought, especially considering, you know, some of the stories that have happened right here in Louisiana over the past few weeks. Let's say someone is looking at these devices. They are looking at these apps. Um you know, maybe Alexa in their home or one of the smart uh, home features. What do people really need to look for? What what steps do they need to take when utilizing these conveniences? A, a good friend of mine summarizes it like this. It all depends upon what your appetite of risk is. Uh, I, I have a very, very small appetite for that. I don't like to eat a lot of it. I don't have uh, Alexa in my home. I don't have smart devices in my house. Uh because I'm worried about my privacy. I'm worried about what kind of data is being exfiltrated out there without my knowledge. So as you're looking at those devices, you really should understand what is being transferred back to or transmitted back to to the vendor. What's being pushed up to the cloud without your understanding? Does this include uh, conversations that you're having. Uh, and, and if you're using one of those devices, the answer is yes, it, it is. Uh, you have mics in your, uh, your uh, remote control for your fire sticks. Uh, those are recording devices. 
uh, and oftentimes they're waiting for you to, to try to give them a command, but that data is being transmitted back to a cloud someplace. So if you're not comfortable with that, if you're not comfortable with where that's going to go, then it's probably best that, that you don't turn those things on. You don't utilize those, those, uh, uh, those appliances in your network. If you have a firm understanding of how firewalls and network devices work, you can deploy those devices and just block those protocols and they'll still work well. But that's not for your average person out there. That's going to be for uh, a network nerd like myself. And and could you say the same thing about maybe, uh, you know, social network apps and, and different things that people may utilize? Are some of the same concerns there? Uh, yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, the amount of data uh, that the average American citizen is, is constantly giving up on, on things like Instagram and Facebook is 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 scary to me. Uh, I think we should all be limiting the amount of uh, information we share and how we share it. Uh, we still have a lot of folks out there who do not have protected Facebook accounts that they're, they're sharing with everybody, not just with friends, and they're not closing that circle uh, uh, tight at all. And I, I find that worrisome. Wow, that's uh. That's kind of unnerving to think about in, in some cases. Um, as we take a look at Awareness Month, are there any other areas that you really want to uh, inform the public about? Or, or do you see trends uh, in certain directions, you know, when it comes to security that we need to kind of be aware of and, and where we could be headed? Sure. I, I'm going to go right back to the social media uh, thing there. My wife showed me something the other day. And it was an online quiz that was going around Facebook that folks were, were posting and resharing. And it goes through and, and it was listing as a fun game uh, what your mother's maiden name was, uh, your favorite pet. And it looked to me like a, uh, a tool that was going out and trying to answer all the questions that you would normally answer for your security questions for a locked out account. And it kind of scared me that folks were voluntarily giving this up as part of a game that they were sharing with everybody all over the place. Uh, so one of the first things I want to point out uh, in that vein is that uh, strong passwords save us. And those security questions, it probably is best not to answer them uh, with what the true answer is, but with a password itself that you make up. You're going to have hmm. to know what it is, but you don't always have to answer what is your actual mother's maiden name. You can, answer, you can make up something else, something that's not uh, a matter of actually public record. Uh, the, the second thing I really want to talk about, too, is – the amount of low-hanging fruit uh, that the bad guys are able to take advantage of uh, is, is staggering. Uh, we are not doing a really good job of going out there and taking away the things that, uh, uh, that really shouldn't be out exposed to the Internet. And by that, I mean things like the remote desktop protocol or something built into Windows that allows you to remote access into that computer uh, it's very easy to brute force. There's a lot of tools out there for it, yet we're consistently seeing networks have that RDP or that remote desktop protocol exposed to the Internet because they want to allow folks to, to, to log in uh, legitimately. But it, it's something that could be taken advantage of and is taken advantage of by ransomware and by other uh, nefarious threats and actors. So those types of things are still going on, even though we know it's bad behavior, we know that bad things can happen of it. We're, we're constantly focused on that high availability instead, which is, uh, which is a problem. Can you talk about two-factor authentication and how important that is? Well, I mean, two-factor authentication uh, is used by most of the big guys. Google and, and things like that are starting, or not starting, are using it as well. Uh, 
but there are tools to bypass that. Uh, there, there are a man in the middle type attacks to take advantage of it out there. I would not put my trust in it. However, uh, if you can implement it, you should. Uh, it's kind of like antivirus. It's, it's, it's become a necessary evil. It's not going to save you every time, but uh, when it does save you, it was well worth the, uh, the cost it took to implement. Wow. All right. And so kind of in wrapping up, if there was any advice for the public uh, just overall when it comes to all these things, you know, we have so many uh, options available to us to make things more convenient and to make things to make life easier in some ways with this technology. One bit of advice for the public uh, as they're looking at all these different resources out there, what would that be? To not be so trusting. Uh, understand that your data has value to other folks and that there are people out there who spend all day long thinking of ways to trick you out of it. Don't be so trusting. Second guess everything. Be aware of where you're going, what links you're actually clicking on. Essentially, pay attention while you're driving that computer. Wow. Great advice. So, Again, we appreciate your time. I know it's been a busy uh, couple of months for you guys with the great work that you did with with the recent cyber emergency involving many of our schools uh, in Louisiana, our school districts and all. So thank you for what you do, and we appreciate the advice today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. Please encourage others to share this resource and subscribe. We want to thank Devin King and Dustin Glover for sharing their knowledge on cybersecurity issues. Don't forget to check out the resources we mentioned today, such as ready.gov backslash cybersecurity to help protect you and your business. You can also find out more information on getagameplan.org. We also want to thank Troy Perez and the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at DonateLifeLA.org. They also have a great podcast titled The Gifted Life Podcast. You can find out more on most of the topics we talked about today by following GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, get a game plan. On behalf of the staff at GOSEP, thanks for joining us. We'll have a new episode available next month. This podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.